See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It, it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derrick Podcast. Do you have a jingle before you start? Do you have like, you know, you mom Derek podcast today, special guest, something like that. You have something? Huh? I don't know. I don't recall that. This is the you mom Derek podcast. With the music. It sounds exactly like that. You pretty much nailed it. That's cool. This episode of you mom Derek is offered by Hydrocore. Yeah, coffee lake towel. Oh yeah, I just got that when I went up there too. I got that when I went up there too. A wedding. Mic check one two. There we go. All right. Hey, this sounds sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Your sounds. Your sounds better. Yeah, always sounds better. Just your, just your voice. It's my voice. Your voice I mean, is just better. The accent, you know. I'm Italian, <laughs> so everything I do, I say, is, looks sexy. So <laughs> I like it. Okay, just my voice. Okay, we're on. I have a little girly voice, and you have the <laughs> is the bass in your it's voice. Peachy. It's peachy. Yeah, I feel feel different. <laughs> I don't know why your voice sounds better. Uh, <laughs> we good. What's up? We're we're going. Let's do it. Oh, okay. We are here with you, and Derek. Today, like a special <laughs> edition, we gonna interview we me we with you guys, <laughs> uh, you, Derek. Is that so, what we're doing? Yeah, that's what we're doing. You know, you always interview people. So, you know, last week uh, I just texted him, hey, I want to interview Human Derek. And he said, uh, he answered me with the googly eyes, say like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure. So here we are and we will know more about uh, Derek. And because he always is so nice to interview so many people. I like his podcast because he's so organic. He doesn't really search for his guest like you know last guest i think it was a guy you just met in uber right yeah yeah it's pretty crazy yeah and uh <laughs> just random people i think you know the best conversation is always with random people right you know you never know what i have to say right yeah it's an i um you know i think the even interview is kind of interesting because we've probably talked about this the first time you came on yeah you know you were the the second person I think to ever mm-hmm. show come on the show and you're like well what's it about and you know like you know I know one of the most common things where people say you know what's the podcast about how do we get ready for it what should I expect and I was talking to someone last week and she was you know sharing that she she's like I love you know this episode or whatever and I've been listening for an hour and a half and uh she was intrigued because she wasn't sure what was going to come next but also she was like, is there any way you could just tell me, right? And we have that little part of our human nature, like we want to know, we want some certainty, but I I really enjoy not having an agenda yeah. so much as, as being around great people like yourself and just having um, really great conversations. Yeah, and most of the time, you know, this 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 next guy, I don't know when you're going to have like Bill, the guy that came to, you know, our house. And then he met me the other day at the gym and say, hey, I don't know, because he's kind of old school. He don't have like, you know, internet and this and that. <laughs> he's still around with the flip phone, you know. 
but uh, there will be an interesting like podcast for you. It was kind of I don't know what, what it is. What, what is this podcast thing? Say, man, it's just like you know, chi- <laughs> chill, sit, enjoy your coffee, and then just have a nice conversation. Like you know, just a Starbucks, you meet a random people, and just start talking. You know, that's the best way to put you know podcast. You know, there's uh, then for instance, you know. When I had this idea to interview you, I say, oh, I got to check it out. I said, nah, check shit, you know, just sit there, you know, even if I know you for quite a little bit. But we kind of start hanging out lately a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I remember you start opening up more about you, you know, when you were a child and things like that. Because I was talking about my mom, right? Remember? So, um, and, uh, you know, you you open up about, you know, your your childhood so that will be probably interesting way to <laughs> to start right you know i mean uh, you feel like talking about that I don't, see that's the thing is it doesn't um I, I was actually i've had a feeling you might bring that up man i mean i think you know whatever you have to say you know there will be a lot of people that can relate to you know whatever was your experience as a kid you know and uh you know can uh, help also other people you know that's what we're doing here right you know help each other you know support each other uh, our emotion you know can help other people to put out there their own emotion right you know sometimes people you know they don't like to talk about the past but uh, that's what it is you know sometimes you can do that not for yourself but maybe for other people i don't know that's the way i like to think about it you know so then, you know, remember I was talking about, you know, my mom just passed away and then I see you kind of, you know, there like, you know, you want to say something, but you didn't want to say something and you open up about your, you know, your childhood. So that would be interesting to, to know about that more. Yeah. You know, and then again, for your mom, that's, you know, sorry for your loss. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, I, I think our experience obviously shapes us. But it's always up to us to decide what to do with those experiences, you know. And a lot of people get get stuck. Oh yeah, on a bad experience, and it becomes this loop in their head. Yeah. And what I found is that by revisiting those events or whatever it might be, right? Even this thing that happened yesterday, man, it was it was like the only the week was just like I was having so much fun all week. So many things were going great. And I had this like one little event yesterday afternoon that just stuck with me. And I found myself kind of reflecting on it this morning and just left to like a really bad taste in my mouth with this this specific person. Um, but I just kept trying to change my perspective, right? Go, okay, I don't want to let this thing mm-hmm. linger with me for more than the fact that it, it stuck with me for a whole day was already like, oh, come on, this is, you know, there's this is not worth the weight and energy. So I just kept changing my well, maybe, you know, what if this or what if that and trying to try to challenge my own thinking on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, for me, I, I like to put this example, right? You know, I mean, if you go in a concert, right, you, you just there, like beautiful concert and, you know, everything goes smooth, nice, the atmosphere, beautiful songs and everything. And, you know, I don't know, at the end of the concert, they fuck up one note. <laughs> And everybody going to point that. Do you realize how human being are, right? Yeah. They will point at that. They'll be on the news. It'll be this and that, you know. Everybody say, oh, what happened? You know, they just lost the vibe, whatever things, you know. They let, like, you know, 
uh, uh, judge based on one single experience, or one second something say, oh, I don't like the person anymore because he says that. But you know, you're gonna kind of cancel 20 years of beautiful experience. Like on the day, you wake up, beautiful day, all day, all day, beautiful, you go to the beach, swim, friends, party, and then at the end of the day, you don't know, something happened, a little thing, a guy, I don't know, maybe just scream at you from, and then that's, that's you're going to let destroy your day from that? Come on. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. That's what people do all the time, right? Well, I, I think that's one of the benefits. I'm going to tie this into uh, really business, right? So when it comes to the person in traffic or those kind of things where it's like, eh, whatever, I, I wish that guy or that person, that whoever, a great day, you know, they're obviously in a rough spot. I, I like to remind myself that how somebody behaves is never is really never about me. It's a reflection of, of their own state, like where they're at. Um, for me, what I'm finding is like the, over the years, I've really worked to weed out being around those people in the work environment or business environment. So that's where it kind of stuck with me. It's like, man, I know I'm going to have more meetings with this person and I want to put myself in a, in a, in the most happy spot possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, Speaking of like childhood and past experiences, when it comes to being happy, I think it's really, really important to get that extra perspective too, or to be very comfortable um, to understand, you know, how we grew up or, you know, whatever happened last week. The more you can become peaceful or come to peace with those events or people, even, and um, just I think the the more joy you can have in your life. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we always think that whatever happened to us is the worst thing that can happen to a human being. <laughs> That's what we do, right? <laughs> you know, oh, fuck, I, I, my coffee on my pants, you know, Jesus. No, and then you realize, you look around, and there's people that even can afford the coffee that you just pour on your pants, right? Yeah. It's just so stupid. That's what we do every day, all the time. We don't look around and see, you know, how, you know, the people that have less than us, they suffer more than us. And then we think that, you know, man, it's the worst thing happened in my life, right? <laughs> you know, the guy cut through the line on Starbucks, you know, things like that, stupid shit, right? And, uh, but you, you see what he's doing now? He's trying to avoid the conversation about his childhood. Oh, no, we can get into you it. Know, like, you know, it's like, go around <laughs> all these things. Just yeah. now, just kidding. But uh, yeah, you know, I just really, I just want to want to talk about that. Obviously, the way you feel like opening and, and talk about that, will be an interesting conversation, not just, you know, for the people that are listening, also for myself, because, you know, I never had the opportunity to have a conversation about, you know, yourself deeply, I'm saying, you know, so it'll be nice. I know one of the things that was really fun to play around with was at your house um, the other day when you invited me and it was uh, the other the other couple, they were really oh, yeah. great. And I say other couple, Mauricio and I are not a couple, it was Mauricio <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> Mauricio and his wife and another couple and then me. You never know, man. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, you can't knock people's <laughs> lifestyles, but I just want to put that out there and make sure very clear. You're going to get some weird Instagram messages. Hey, yeah, say, hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, I don't know if we should use his name because he's sort of a private can. guy. He will be your, your guest next okay. time. So yeah. Very very cool guy. Um, Bob. So he's, his yeah. name is Bob. Actually, kind of yeah. sounds like a fake name now, yeah. right? Bob. Like set it up. <laughs> John Doe. Yeah. Oh, Got to find this guy. Uh, but he, that guy seems like he's lived just a very interesting life. And obviously by by choice or decision. But he had, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to dig in with him too about sort of his upbringing. You know, you're just talking about, 
um, living in like violent, chaotic environments and, and how it can shape you and actually make things like, oh, I spilled coffee on my shirt seem like not much of a big deal when you've had really big, you know, chaos in your life. And I was just kind of having fun with it. And I was like, oh yeah, I got stabbed. And I remember everybody <laughs> just looking at me like, what? <laughs> like, where did that come from? And I was like, oh, this is, you know, just kind of throwing it in there. Yeah. Uh, so when, I guess since, you know, thinking of upbringing, being a kid, those types of things, I, I often look at my life in chapters. So I feel like there was, you know, I usually say two chapters, but thinking about it now, I even think three chapters. There's like chapter one is those really, really early years. I don't have a lot of memories from, you know, obviously being born until mm -hmm. about, probably until about six or seven years old. I mean, I have, there's moments. There's, I remember like walking to school one morning and like the sunflower thing. So there's there's events, there's mm -hmm. memories, but it's not like I have a a lot of memories from being four years old or three mm -hmm. years old, like certain cool, cool things, you know, going to school or stuff, <clears throat> stuff like that. But, uh, and then I think, you know, really chapter two for me, was probably in that eight years old to about 14-ish, mm, you know? And and that was a, a really, um, to me at that point, it just seemed normal. It seemed like this is what life is. And then once I was not in that environment, I'm like, oh, that wasn't normal. That's mm -hmm. not how people live. And then, uh, you know, chapter, I guess what chapter is this? We're on chapter three would be, age 13, 14 until about age 23. Mm -hmm. And then I look at this recent chapter is basically like figuring out life from chapter 23 until, mm -hmm. until now. But, um, I lived, so I lived with my mom up until I was 13, 12, no 12. Yeah. One, two, around there. So 12. And then she kicked me out of the house, Oh, which was really funny. Um, <laughs> that's funny. My mom kicked me out of the house at 12. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I, well, the, in the way that it happened. So mm -hmm. I was involved with, uh, and really as a byproduct of her, you know, the, her boyfriend, mm -hmm. uh, was like a drug dealer. And so he would give me, uh, things to like sell at, at 12 years old, Whoa. you know? Yeah. So something like that. Whoa. And it, it blew up at one point and then. Instead of, you know, what I've learned to be, um, I really love being super accountable in mm -hmm. life, you know, like always going, okay, like this happened, like what can I do better? Uh, she really pointed all the blame at me, which turned out to be a big blessing. For her to kick me out was probably one of the biggest blessings I ever got in my like life. Like she said, you suck as a drug dealer, get out of here. <laughs> like things like that. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go uh, work at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, uh, uh, so... Um, this is, you know, at the time it was one of those things that seemed tough. Uh, so how, how she actually kicked me out was we were, I had a lot of, most of my friends were older than me. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're 11, 12 and you're driving around in stolen cars and part, literally partying and, you know, selling weed and, and doing all these things. Um, there's not a lot of other 11 or 12 year olds are doing that, at least where I was at. So most of my friends were 14, 15. 18, 22, kind of crazy to be running around guys in like in their early 20s. Like mm -hmm. I think of now and I think of my nephews or nieces, you know, one of them's 15, about to be 16. I couldn't imagine him running around with some like 24-year-old wow. dude. Where, where, which uh, area? Where, where is it? Like in US, United States? Where or what is it? Yeah, so I lived in uh, a lot of Northern California. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I lived in like a Stockton. Mm-hmm. It's a thriving metropolis of great things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so someone from Stockton is going to hear this and hunt me down. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I lived in Sacramento. I lived up in Washington mm-hmm. uh, near Seattle, like every... This was always moving with your mom around? So much. So that's another thing I think that was a really big gift mm-hmm. is, you know, people say, where are you from? In fact, your your friends the other night, it's like one of my favorite questions. I've had so many different responses over mm-hmm. the years. Um, my most common response is like, I don't really have a from mm-hmm. right now. Like I lived in something like 18, 19, 20 cities. I should probably, you know, I could benefit from counting. I, I lost track around 17, but it was very nomadic and... Uh, we lived in all these places primarily. Have you ever heard that saying, you know, regardless of where you go, there you are? Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> right? So yeah. you, uh, I really believe that's the the path that my mom was on. Like she would create a lot of chaos, mm-hmm. um, a lot of drama, you know, illegal activity. Mm. And then instead of working through it, it was like, okay, where can we go where they won't know me? So this is the the 90s where, you know, things moved a little slower. Today you could post something on Instagram or Twitter and, and find somebody, you know, across the U.S. or go wherever, and it's really easy to track people down. She would do things like, uh, it was called check kiting, I think. So and you would have multiple banks, mm. and you would go and you would cash a check, and then you would write a check to the bank from your other account, because there was this delay, right? Like mm-hmm. one week, two weeks. So however long it was, five days. Mm-hmm. So it was just constantly like really just fraudulent activity. Wow. Yeah. And it, you, you, <clears throat> sorry if I interrupt you, but yeah. uh, you think at some point you know, like she tried to fix her life? I mean, looking at you and saying like, you know, what I'm doing, you know, what is kids going to see, what are going to learn? Or she tries in some some way to realize that there was wrong or just didn't fucking care. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think that's a good question. Um, I, I truly believe that all people, no matter what they're doing, even crazy people that do, you know, tremendously horrible things out there on a mass scale, I, I think that they, they honestly think they're doing what's best, mm-hmm. you know? And so in her own strange way, I don't think she was an evil person or a mean person or whatever. I just think she had a lot of unsolved uh, trauma or events or whatever it was. And that is how she, you know, the tools that she had to deal with it were like drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. like trying to numb it versus trying mm-hmm. to work through it. And, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. There's a. There's a. I was just checking, but I just remembered that I would turn off the the Wi-Fi. Uh, there's this movie I saw the trailer with Sean Penn. The, I think it will come out soon, and uh, probably you can relate to that. There is this guy, just like a con artist, you know, just moving around, bring to jail and things like that. I think he's, yeah, he have a daughter. Is a true story, and. Uh, whatever he's doing, like, you know, relate to what you just say, you know, they think that's the best they can do for the sake of the daughter, right? You know, that's the only thing they know how to do it, you know, and that they, they start believing that's right. And, you know, they do just, he goes, okay, she's going to be proud of me and just lie after lie after lie, right? Till you cannot handle anymore. I mean, probably at some point was a blast that she kicked you out from the house, right? Yeah. 
Oh, a hundred percent. And so that's um, the line <clears throat> thing is really interesting thing too, because at that age, you know, I, I actually was not very good at being truthful, like moving so much and having everybody around me. I found that I wasn't in one spot very long. And so it was very easy for me. I remember moving this one time to a new school and I had already moved schools like multiple times. And I was just like, you know, wanted to make some friends. And I, I told this group of kids, they're like, do you skate? And I, I had a, I think I had a skateboard mm-hmm. or something, you know, like probably been a little, and I was like, yeah. And I just made up some BS. Like I could do X, Y, Z trick, right? Just, I could do this. And then I see them after school when I'm walking home and they're like, Hey, hop on the skateboard. Let's see that trick. And I was like, Oh man, the running. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, not right now guys, not feeling good. Whatever it was. Right. Uh, see you later. And, uh, you know, looking back on that, it's line is a really interesting thing too, because some people do it maybe on accident where they're lying to themselves to make mm-hmm. themselves feel good. Like, Oh, you know, I couldn't make my car payment because the economy is bad when it's like, well, you could have saved money for the last six years when you were making money. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, but then there's like blatant line like that just to try to impress people or whatever it is. So, um, it's probably one of the reasons that I, I know for me, one of my biggest pain points right now is in life or has been is meeting people where they're at, like understanding that when others are not being truthful, that it's not usually something they're doing to manipulate or hurt others. In some cases it are for a few people, but most of the time it's, you know, a person's own kind of inner challenges they're working through mm-hmm. when they do things like that. You work with like, you know, businesses, you kind of, you know, train people to get good on a closing deal or, you know, uh, like, you know, understand about how, uh, what means being uh, like, you know, a CEO of a company or things like that, right? You know, you see them like try to project them in the future, be successful, right? So probably that's a one of the, the, the thing that you want to understand more is like a kind of, they have the sensor on the bullshit, you know, right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that like to say a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of, uh, 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 sign of words or things that people say that sometimes they're like, you know, kind of red flag and you can realize, you know, if the person you have in front of you is trustful or not. It is very important for a matter of business, right? But uh, I want to go back because uh, you didn't talk about your dad. Yeah, so I don't, um, I've never met him. Okay. I did. This is this is a fun funny story too. I think it probably... It's, it's nice that you say it was funny. You know, before, oh. like, I see, when you say funny, <laughs> kind of something so dramatic that, you oh, know, oh, it's I've, funny. I've, My mom keeps coming out of the house. It's funny, you know. <laughs> My dad, oh, yeah, it's funny. I, well, I found humor in it. Like, life and nature and all these things, like, they they can be very funny. The, the funny part behind this, and I know we never got to the, uh, like, when she kicked me out, why I thought it was amusing, yeah. too. Like, it was actually a really big blessing. Yeah. But with the dad thing, so... You know, probably wasn't that funny when I was a teenager and kind of looking for a role model and really just did, you know, especially from age 14 to 23, I lived life by my own rules and those rules were awful. They were not Mm -hmm. like, they were not very virtuous. They were pure chaos in a sense. Uh, But it, you know, I I didn't really spend time thinking about not Mm -hmm. having a dad. It was just kind of something I didn't acknowledge, pay attention to. And then when I came to terms with it, you know, maybe early 20s, whenever it was, I realized like, ah, it is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a quote 
from that book, Think and Grow Rich, that, that sticks with me a lot and is, in each adversity is the equivalent of a greater, or equivalent or greater um, seed of opportunity. And so I realized once I accepted that I may never know him and who knows, you know, what, what it would have been like if I had known him, mm-hmm. I managed to turn that into more of a strength. Like I got to seek out role models. I got to, you know, what, what is that person who is a really good father? What does he do? What is he passing on to his kids? So I, it made me more curious and inquisitive, inquisitive mm-hmm. which I think is a really valuable thing. And I got to come up with my own set of values <clears throat> as well as not having parents. Like I've seen a lot of people get stuck in jobs that they hate or going to school for... Yeah, because it's passed from generations. Yes, yeah. their parents put them in this box. And so I, that's why I think that's another, you know, sort of blessing in disguise is I've got to create my own, my own you know, systems. Yeah, I see that because, uh, you know, obviously I'm from Italy, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but, uh, and that's something very common in Italy, you know, I mean, the family, you know, the family concept, you know, everything, the job is passed to the, to the son or, you know, uh, uh, the, the, also the, the behave, the feeling, you know, whatever it is, you know, is always, you know, transferred. Like, you know, you kind of, is like, you know, is, is, is part <laughs> of, you know, so you kind of are a reflection of your parents, you know, right? So, uh, I mean, at some point, probably you wear like a black canvas and a white uh, canvas and say, hey, you know what? You know, I don't know why I am. I don't know what to do. So you got to invent yourself and kind of, yeah, at some point probably was a good thing, you know, because, you know, probably you had, you, you didn't have the best role model. So <laughs> that was the best thing to do it. Yeah. And it's, I think it was probably, you know, maybe... I don't like to do the what if scenarios a whole lot, but you know, what if I did have, you know, good family values, maybe it would have helped me, you know, not get into so much trouble or, or, you know, be involved with so much pain or, or chaos. But at the same time, you know, it, it shaped me to who I am today and I'm pretty happy right now. So I'm okay with it. The, uh, the, the funny story part with the dad thing is this was probably in, in like 2013, I've, I've been an early adopter on some things. I signed up for that like 23 in me because I was curious. Oh, okay. I'm like, I want to know a little bit about my, you mm-hmm. know, genetics. Sure. I should probably, since I don't know my parents or I don't know my dad anyways, figure out like the health things. And so I started digging into like health and history and how to stay ahead. And then Ancestry.com got pretty popular too. Mm-hmm. So I just had this, I, I, I avoided signing up for Ancestry.com for a while. I had this weird feeling like if I do that, and, and this was after I had already accepted that I may never know my dad and I was very happy not knowing him. Like I didn't mm-hmm. need to add that into my life. I had a weird feeling if I signed up for it that I was going to get connected with his side of the family. Mm. And so uh, it just get, it was getting more popular and I know they were running advertising and I had family saying, you know, this and that. And this was probably 2018, 2019, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. Let's like, let's see what happens. They had their family on sure. there. They had, there was something drawing me in other than the dad thing. I'm thinking it was, it might've been different reports or there's a, a Dr. Rhonda Patrick mm-hmm. has a, a, a system where you can upload your genetic coding. Sure. So mm-hmm. I was looking more kind of on this quest for mm-hmm. enzymes and liver enzymes, all kinds of, so it was very health mm-hmm. centered and 
So I did the, the ancestry thing, you know, got a deal on it and sent it in. And I actually told my sister, one of my sisters, Nicole, about this. And I said, man, I just have a weird feeling that like when I open that thing up, it's going to say like, here's your dad. And so she kept bugging me and I kind of just ignored it for a bit. Mm. Like didn't look at it. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to take that on right now. I'm very happy, you know, as is. And so then she starts bugging me. Did you open it yet? Did you check it out? Did you see your results? Did you go online? I'm like, no. I just kind of forgot about it for a while. And either she reminded me or I just finally did it. And right when I logged in, the first thing that pops up is like, you know, here's your ancestry match. By the way, it's probably your dad. No way. Right away. Yeah. So you have a sister. Um, I have two. I guess technically you would call them half sisters. Okay. Since they're both from uh, my mom. Okay. Um, they have uh, a different father than okay. me. Okay. But uh, so what happened when you saw that? Yeah. So I just kind of stared at it for a while. It was Whoa. like a Saturday morning. I'm like, man, like how, first off, how did I even have that hunch? But I'd, I, you probably have known me long enough to know that my brain connects a lot of different dots. Yeah. So when I see even the way Ancestry.com marketed to people mm-hmm. versus the way like a 23andMe markets, it's like a different mm-hmm. audience that they're going for. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that some of my like cousins and aunts and like family like that had been signing up for Ancestry, I'm like, yeah, that's very much like that group of people, you know. Yeah, you got to kind of, you know, Ancestry get more of your feelings, you know. And 23 me is just like, you know, the blood shit and things like that. It's so disconnected, right? You see, look, this is your third cousin, but you don't fucking care, right? But, you know, I've been in ancestry because there's all like, you know, the, the, the genealogy tree and the pictures and this. So it's kind of you not know, catch your feeling and curiosity more to do deeper research and get in touch, right? Well, I guess there's some insight into human Derek right there. Is I yeah. was like, I the was way more part, drawn to the, the science. I'm like, I guess I'll do the human thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so he was there and I kind of, I I thought and I was like, well, I probably should send him a message, right? And uh, at the time I thought the message I sent was pretty funny. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, hey, fucker, <laughs> I'm your son. <laughs> oh, it was pretty close. <laughs> Cockhead, I, come on. <laughs> I, I, I believe it said, I'm going to try to do this like as close as possible, but hey, obviously I've known I've, I've had a dad my whole life. You may not have known you had a son. Hello. Like something like that. Oh, you think he never knew that? I'm not sure because of with my mom and the way she operates. Like, Did you, tell me if I ask you, did did you, your mom still alive? You, you still in touch with her? She is. Yeah, I do. Um, I call her from time to time, Uh you know, as about as often as as possible and just remind her I love her, say hello. She, she um, still does the check thing. No, just kidding. Maybe. (laughs) She's still checking. I mean, I think technology's (laughs) caught up with her, but, uh, she, uh, she just kind of lives in a different world mm. where I, I literally call her and say, Hey, I just want to say, I love you. Hi, mm-hmm. hello. And she, she's still massively, I'm, I'm honestly, and this sounds probably a little mm-hmm. tough for some people mm-hmm. to hear, but I'm surprised she's still alive. Like it's very mm-hmm. impressive. You think about how much we talk about health mm-hmm. and longevity and she is now in her fifties and mm-hmm. she's had cancer. She was like smoking, between chemo treatments. Make, make, me, make me feel so old. I'm 52. Yeah, <laughs> it can be your dad, you know. Well, <laughs> go to check, you... <laughs> check on, uh, on uh, 23 and me. But you... <laughs> <laughs> and you are my dad. <laughs> you are the podcast. You didn't respond. No, I'm not. <laughs> but, it, but she just hasn't taken care of herself. Like mm. when I look at my mom and I know what I know about life right now yeah. is that 
I mean, she's been, you know, massively addicted to drugs and alcohol oh, okay. for as long as I can remember, not taking care of herself. There have been times when you look at her and you kind of wonder like, wow, you know? So, so I mean, the time you were living with your mom, you never asked her, like, who is my dad? What is my dad? You know, or you're still alive. You know, she, you guys never, never had the conversation. She tried to avoid or she lied. What do you think? Yeah, and this is, you know, thinking about these things too, I know that everybody has like a hang up, right? Everybody has that thing, at least one. Some of us have more than one thing where we're kind of like, eh, we drive people nuts. For me, it really is about being, you know, crystal clear on the truth. Mm -hmm. And and probably a lot of my upbringing, you know, shaped that in terms of now because um, asking her about that or even family, I would get, you know, a pretty consistent version of one story about who it was and because uh, my mom had been married, I think like when she was like 17 or something. Mm. So the story was pretty consistent. It just didn't, I, n- I guess I never believed it because it was hard to believe anything right. that I, I was mean, told. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> maybe that's right, Yeah, you know? And uh, and what was, what was interesting is that when that story obviously turned out to be very wrong that I was told about who it was and when, and, uh, um, when I, when I did tell like one of my aunts, Hey, by the way, this is my dad, according to ancestry. Uh, they were like, Oh wow. And they knew who they knew who he is. Mm. And, Cause it's a very small town that they mm. all lived in. Um, but yeah, she just, the, you know, I guess in my mom's imagination or mind, her, story about who my dad was and the timeline and all that was just way off. Mm. Interesting because, you know, I mean, could possibly be that he left her because that's what she was. I mean, the kind of con artist, drug addict thing. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he didn't see anything good on that to make a decision. I mean, sometimes, you know, we are too quick to judge people without understand and talk, right? You know, and, you know, I don't know if you've seen, there's like some TV show, they they talk about, you know, this kind of stuff. People, they try to reconnect and find out who is my dad, who is my mom, my sister, and things like that. Have you seen those TV shows? I don't even have. Well, I mean, it's, it's, they're interesting. I don't, lo- I don't watch yeah. a lot of TV, but this, uh, I like, you know, when they people put outside, you know, this type of feelings and things. They touch me a lot, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you never know why, you know. And, you know, the, the, the interesting part is you always think like, you know, oh, uh, they give them away or, you know, they abandon the step of the fire station, you know, whatever, you know. And they, they don't, you don't know why they did that, you know, because probably the life they had was the worst life they could possibly offer you, right? And the, the, the touchy things is that even after like, you know, 50 years, the, what they say, the mom or the dad, that there was not one second, I didn't think about it. Then it was not one second thinking about, oh, where he or she gonna, what, what is now, what is doing, things like that. So it's very emotional in that sense because you think like, oh, such a son of a bitch, he left me like this. But you know, sometimes it's better to have a conversation and understand more. And then from there and decide, you know, what, direction you want to get it you want to go back or you know you want to kind of you know embrace that new you know uh, thing that's happening in your life you know i don't know I, and i don't know what happened after so <laughs> well that's actually I'm, you know when you bring that up that's one of the things that helped me become very peaceful with not knowing my dad mm. earlier in life is that i i really that was one of my thoughts was man 
I couldn't imagine wanting to be married to my mom or stick around. So I couldn't blame the guy at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was such, like, yeah. <laughs> I held, I harbored no negative emotions thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, uh, she's crazy. So, mm-hmm. uh, no thanks. Yeah. Red flag, check, 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 <laughs> yeah. check. She had all the possible things you don't want in a wife. So yeah. you, you, you met with him, you had a conversation or? No. So I, I really haven't, um, So I I did reach out. I sent a message and I got a message back from someone. Hmm. Uh, She said it was like a friend of his and uh, she said she was managing his account for him. Hmm. And she did even like text me. I didn't put a lot of, I haven't put a lot of energy into it. I put, you know, I reached out a little bit, but uh, she said he was a mechanic um, in uh like like farming essentially in northern california mm. like he worked on big farming machines and everything mm. and it was during the busy season and she said you know i bet he's going to be really excited to learn about this or whatever she said and uh and that was pretty much so yeah that was a couple years ago and he gave me a phone number i probably still have the phone number and i i didn't invest a lot of time or energy into it i i did my sister So my sisters were very curious. They're like, what's his name? I want to go find him, look him up on Facebook. And they did that. And uh, and he has so he has a family, right? So he's like married and has kids. Yeah. And I kind of thought about it, you know, when I I did reach out one, I think one more time to the lady. I don't know if she did message back or whatever. I just didn't really press it. You know, I figured mm-hmm. if if it's really important to this guy, because it's I don't think it's that important to me at this point because I spent so much time mm. like figuring out that riddle or that puzzle before even, you know, imagining getting to meet him someday. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of already said, you know, accepted that I may never meet this guy. So for me, I was already there mentally and still am. Like, it's very fine. Um, but when somebody's built a family and they have this whole life and maybe didn't know, <clears throat> didn't know that they had a, a son... Uh, I didn't want to apply that kind of pressure to him, if that makes sense. No, I understand what you're trying to say, you know, but, you know, sometimes, you know, we kind of, you know, try to avoid situation, but, you know, they're still there. They will be there for the rest of your life, you know. Until you don't resolve that thing, you know, you look like, you know, you're always going to think and, you know, say, oh, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, if some piece of your life out of place that you want to figure out, you know, i want to put it back and then they're going to probably give a peace of mind. Let's say if you now, now you don't you say don't care or you don't feel the need to do that, you know, maybe meeting will, you will feel more secure as a man. You know what? Now I don't fucking care, you know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, or instead It's, of maybe maybe you don't know because the unknown is always something that you know i personally, this, I'm not trying to, you know, force you to do anything, <laughs> obviously. I just say from my personal experience, uh, and, you yeah. know, I've t- I talked about that, you know. Yeah. I say, I'm going to leave the way it is, you know. But always I'm thinking, well, what if I, if I, if I face the situation, we're going to be? And then at some point, you know, I face the situation and say, you know what, I don't fucking care. I really don't fucking care now, you know. I, you know, I give a chance, you know, and now I really don't fucking care. Or I say, oh, man. I kind of, you know, misjudge. I kind of, you know, you know, uh, there can be beautiful things coming out, you know. And you, you are a man of opportunity. That's what you do, you know, for living. And so, well, I think that's what, what you're talking about is that I feel like I went through that process, mm-hmm. you know, before even. I, I think that's why it's not that I don't care, 
but it's it's in you know if we were to look at boxes like I have these little boxes in my mind mm-hmm. or my heart or whatever you know the dad thing is in the box of it is resolved mm-hmm. for me because i think i made peace and and working through the thoughts of like man if i you know because i don't harbor any type of negative emotion about the fact that he did or didn't know or whatever there's so many possibilities i'm totally at peace with it and okay mm-hmm. with it so you know maybe as he gets older if he you know, it was like, man, I have this son that I never reached out to. That's uh, that's the thing, you know, because you opened that box. Probably he was already in the same situation he was. It was just <laughs> like, you know, but you opened that box, so you yeah. reached out. That box, no matter what, is open. And, you know, can be a reverse situation. It can come to you. So you have to mm-hmm. be prepared also that. It's not anymore about you. You know, now yeah. what you did, you opened the fucking <laughs> box. So you you own it. You know what I'm saying? So at some point, maybe like you say, in, in, I don't know, five years, maybe you don't feel ready. Maybe you have the same like thing. You say, man, you know what I've done? I don't feel ready. Maybe it's disgusting. Maybe struggling with that, you know, and you don't know if he's going to reach out to you. So you got to kind of, you know, see maybe one day going to happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's you know? that's very And I want to be there with my <laughs> camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's one of my, you know, some people call them like mantras or whatever. One of the things I play in my head regularly is I'm always ready. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, you know, this event or that event, I really would like to believe I do my best to kind of take things in, in stride and not get super worked up one way or the other. Is it good? Is it bad? It's just very, you know, it is a thing. And I get to, a, as a as a person, mm-hmm. what I really enjoy is it's at the end of the day, it's up to me to decide what that thing is. If I want to attach this emotion to it or that emotion. There's a, a term I thought of earlier this week when I was thinking about what's happening in the media and in the world in general, and it's emotional responsibility. Mm-hmm. And... I think there's two versions of it, and this is the first time I'm really kind of thinking through this out loud. The media has no sense of emotional responsibility. In fact, it's almost the opposite, where they are constantly, and I shouldn't put all media in this category. There are really positive, good media. So when I say media, I'm thinking big, mainstream, Mm -hmm. you know, the CNN, Fox News, it doesn't matter what side you're on, they're all driving a lot of emotion. Then we also have our personal emotional responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about that is it's it's really like a muscle. You know, we can build it, we can grow, we can develop it, our capacity for it can grow so that no matter what's happening around us, we get to decide this is how I'm going to feel about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's always the way you react to a situation or, you know, uh, other people behave or, you know, I mean, we, we are like kind of surrounded, like, you know, last year, you know, about emotion, the whole type of emotion and then the media bombarding us to uh, information, good, bad, you know, fake, real. We don't know anymore what is real, what's fake, you know, what, what we have to listen, right? So it's all about personal choice, I think, nowadays, you know, it's all like, you know, hey, you know, this is my decision, this is my choice, and that's what it is, you know, I don't want to change it, you know, because that's what it is, you know. And, and, and everybody always think that, you know, when you make a choice, they're always trying to lecture you on your choice, or like to educate you on your choice, or make you understand better on your choice. That's what I say, man, I respect anyone, decision, a choice, don't just, you know, put on me 
you know, the responsibility of, you know, how this is going to affect you, you know, I, I mean, that's not my problem, you know, so, but, you know, I mean, going back of, um, of, uh, uh, so you say you're, you're still in touch with your mom, you know, and you can, you know, let's say in standby with your dad, <laughs> kind of, you know, want to. <laughs> yeah, thanks for reminding me, I didn't really think about that. I'm like, <laughs> actually, I'm like, oh yeah, he could reach out to me at any time, so that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's the thing, that you have to be ready for that, you know, maybe he's there, you know, probably don't know many time, you know, he he was there with your phone number, you know, trying to, well, maybe he did it, you know, maybe sometimes you answer the phone and nobody was answering the <laughs> other side and maybe it was him, you know, you have to consider that. <laughs> just put in there. Just put in there. What what is leaving now? What town is it? What state? I haven't um I haven't looked in a couple of years, but most people from like that group, you mm-hmm. know, when I think of uh where my family lived mm-hmm. and everything, it's in it's like small towns in northern California. Oh, so it's just no far. Yeah, not very Okay, far. man. If you decide to go, I'm coming, okay. Bring the camera. No, I don't I don't bring the camera, but you know, I want to support you in this, you ah, know. Well thanks. And I, then I, I think that's one of the most things in life are a skill, right? That we can develop. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I just think of the skill of happiness, like the skill yeah. of being happy. There's, you can develop it in a sense where you can do certain things that you figure out, like this makes me happy. You're understanding this makes me happy. And so when I think of, of people or, you know, approaching things, you know, that's also a skill that we can develop. And I had, I had a friend reach out from, uh, I mean, this was recently, this is like in the last six months that I connected with from before uh, my mom gave me the boot mm-hmm. and I hadn't talked to this guy in a long time. And it was crazy. We, we probably spent an hour or something on the phone. And for me, I, I really feel like for most things, I, I just pick right back up where I left off because I don't, I either don't give a lot of like negative bad thoughts to people mm-hmm. or things or whatever, even the, the mom thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some folks in my family that, they just love, they enjoy talking about the drama. Oh, and the blah, don't tell blah, me, blah. I'm Italian. Drama is in the blood. So all the time is about drama. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and that's, I, I have like almost a violent reaction to that stuff. And so I, I find myself, you know, regularly reminding people, whether it's about, you know, a member of the family that has Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or someone that's doing that, like, oh, you know, they're doing the best they can. And I think that, that core concept that we talked about earlier where I really do believe that no matter what people are doing there, they are doing it from a place of, of what they think is best helps me not um, get overly worked up or, or be all anxious mm-hmm. and nervous or sad or depressed or whatever. Um, because I just, I really work to get that in perspective. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but I know that I I know to do that. Did, did I tell you the story that the uh, I don't know if I told you the the person in a, in a, uh, I don't remember if it was ancestry or twenty three whatever they reach out to me. There's a yeah. Tell the, the story. Boat, the love man, body. This is the awesome. love boat. The love boat. Yeah. The love boat stay thing. That's an interesting story. I just want to tell for the audience because I, I I think it's kind of interesting. You know, so also, you know, uh, I'm a, 
on this uh, platform like 23andMe and things and sometimes some people reach out I'm a Turk has and he's like, I don't fucking care I don't know what to tell you you know <laughs> I mean <laughs> right you know? I mean I mean just did at the beginning was kind of exciting you know and you know kind of lost their interest unless like you know my second cousin or first cousin you know, there is some interesting shit going on mm -hmm. but I found out this is interesting because this person this lady she contacted me hey it looks like we are related you know this message but I know nothing about my family because uh, you know I know very you know few things my mom just died and uh, when my mom died you know my uh, good friend of my mom uh, because she she told me that the father died years before, right? And then um, a good friend of my mom, she reached out to me and she told me the truth about, you know, my family, you know, which uh, was that my mom, uh, she she was a, a dancer on this cruise boat. We're talking about, you know, the 40, the 50. And this yeah. is the lady that reached out to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so the mom, she was a dancer. She was doing this cruise from San Francisco down to Puerto Vallarta, Acapulco, you know, the first like cruise boat on the on this side of the coast, right? And um, uh, so there was like, you know, this one, two weeks, 10 days, you know, cruise boat. Uh, uh, and um, and uh, the mom was dancing, you know, on this boat and she had an affair with a guy on the boat and he was like kind of you know a musician on the boat it was like you know the orchestra back in the days it was like all so cool stuff right and she got pregnant but she told my dad she got pregnant from him and so she always believed that it was the real dad and but when mom died she found out there was not real dad and the only person that she was related was me and 23 me so she had like you know kind of scottish last name so nothing to do with me and uh, and they said, I don't know, uh, no idea. So that thing kind of, you know, intrigued me, you know, to do deeper research. And, uh, you know, I did some research and now, you know, on the internet, you can find anything, right? So I found it like, you know, the, 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 the list of the crew on the boat, because I kind of, you know, was estimating like, you know, the air age, when it was, what kind of boat. And they found out that this was the only boat doing cruising from San Francisco. So it was pretty simple. It wasn't like hundreds of boats right now. <laughs> then I found the list of the crew and there was the name of the mom on the list. And there was one guy with my last name on the, on the, the <laughs> musician thing. So I found out for her that this guy was a real dad. And it kind of left the, the information in her hand because the name, I mean, the last name, obviously, but the name didn't ring me a bell. And, you know, obviously, you know, the guy was from my same area. So I told her, hey, you decide what to do with this information. But now at least you know who was your real dad. I'm sure out there you have like, you know, relatives and things like that since you're alone. Actually, basically, she didn't have anyone. She didn't have sister. She didn't have cousins. She didn't have anyone. So that's maybe a situation that you kind of feel like you want to reach out for something and then more fun about you, you know, say your past or your identity or your dad was because at the end of the day, they really, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I'm saying, right? Yeah. You know, and just like, you know, uh, they didn't change, you know, the feeling for your mom, didn't change the feeling for your fake dad, you know, didn't change anything in your life. But, you know, maybe give an opportunity to have like, you know, more an extended family and understand, you know, the amount of love you can receive from your side. Just in your case, you know, maybe the family of your of your dad, you have like, you know, step brother and sister and cousin and whatever, you know, probably the nice people.
you know? <laughs> that's, and I, I have thought about that a lot. I mean, that's a cool story, by the way. I love, one of the things I love about you is you've shared multiple times, like when you get very curious about something, you go and you track it down yeah. and you research and you're just a very, you know, focused person. Like, I want to figure this out. So that's, uh, that's very cool. <laughs> In terms of like my, my own family, I have, I have thought about that. And I think what I really discovered, you know, going through my thoughts and, and feelings about those things is that, I'm I'm very just happy with the life that I have now and the people around me. Uh, I mean, even this was, you know, years ago, uh, you know, probably five, six years ago now, I met some really, really cool people. And this has kind of happened throughout my life in various parts. And they've, they've really just adopted me into their family. And I know that the person I am today you know, in comparison with how I grew up and where, you know, the, the values of the people that were around me for the first 23 years or whatever, they're just so, so different. Yeah. So far distant, so far different that it sometimes is very challenging to be around even certain people in my family that I really love and I appreciate. We just have such crazy different lifestyles that I don't, I don't have a strong desire to, you know, add in connections. And I'm, it's not that I would turn them down, mm -hmm. you know, if it, if it came that way, but I'm just very, I'm in a great place. And so I don't, you know, I look for very specific things at this point. Yeah. Probably don't think about that. You know, I mean, uh, say like more, you know, go forward, life, type of kids, you know, go forward with life and things like that. I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, lately, uh, when I went back to, to my town, you know, this summer, you know, because of COVID, I couldn't go last year. So I, I, my mom died during the COVID restriction. I couldn't fly to go there. She, she died of cancer. She was old, you know, so a lot of, you know, um, uh, problems she had. And uh, that was very hard, you know, obviously you don't see your mom and then just in a, in a, in a FaceTime video, bad, that, you know, you can do anything about it. And, uh, you know, so this trip was very emotional in the sense that, you know, I had to go back, you know, I wanted to go back. And, you know, the first thing I did, even, you know, going to see my dad and things, I went straight to the cemetery, you know, obviously my wife and my daughter, they came with me. And during like, you know, this walk into the cemetery, I, was, I mean, I mean, here's different, but in Italy we have this big chapel, you know, mon like monument, huge, you know, and pictures and flowers I mean, it's, it's different than the cemetery we have here in USA, right? Uh, and um, I was looking at all this picture of people that that I, I knew. I mean, I said, oh my God, this guy, this guy died. You know, I mean, look all the pictures and things. And also in between all these pictures of people that, oh man, this is, the, I know this guy. He used to have like the supermarket or, oh, this mm. guy used to do the shoes, you know, when I was a kid, you know. But also I see pictures like, like those black and white pictures, you know, this man with the mustache or this lady, you know, like, and, and then you see that some of them, they were like, you know, full of dust, bird poop and dry flowers and things like that. And it's like, man, do you realize like in probably 200 years, nobody going to give shit about you anymore. I mean, whatever you're doing now, the podcast, inventings and creating things, unless like you're on books, but even on bo people on books, Nobody gonna give a fucking shit about you. Nobody gonna come to the cemetery <laughs> to bring you flower. You'd be like a pitcher full of bird poop, 
and worms and you know that's all you are at the end of the day right you know so that's why i'm saying you know it's always like an opportunity to connect you know with your heritage with who you are where you come from is very important you know for me going back to italy is very important for that you know uh, because I feel like, you know, here I have no real identity. I mean, I have no family. I have no one here, you know, barely few friends, you know, I'm very like, you know, my own shit, right? But when I go back, you know, I know everyone and I see, when I see that, when you go in a cemetery, you realize things. When you face the, you know, <laughs> really, you know, I mean, I've been working in a cemetery when I was a kid. They used to, because my dad used to build these chapels and things. So, hmm. uh and then I remember when I was 11, you know, I started working with my dad in the cemetery, like digging holes. <laughs> so I've been like you know, a lot of dead people, putting dead people <laughs> in the graves, you know. All, all We have a law in Italy after 35 years, you have to remove, because they sell out, you, you, you lease the spot, you don't own it. For two, you don't know that? What? Yeah, Wait, that's not yours. Because, uh, you know, because of like, you know, getting crowded. So wow. they sell it out. You know, if nobody like renewed the lease or, or, you know, for you, you don't own anymore. So this, 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 this picture full of bird poop and dry flowers, you know, after 30 years, if nobody got come claim the spot, you don't own anymore. So we remove from there. We open up the, the coffin. There's a bunch of bones in there. We collect the bone, we put the bone in a little box, and they get moved in this place under the ground of the cemetery. It looked like, you know, very creepy place. Like a, <laughs> yeah. It would be a, a crypt. A crypt, but it's okay. so fucking creepy <laughs> going there. <laughs> I have to go there sometimes alone to put this fucking bones, uh. <laughs> box of bones, like wow. 11 years old. Oh, bring it down there, we take care of it with the name, the tag, name tag. So they do a little thing in the wall and they put in there. And they stay there like, you know, you know, forever, you know, and you know, just the creepiest place in the world, probably, you know. Wow. And uh, so they, they sell it back the place and that's what it is. So I think it, being around that, it make you understand more about life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Man, that's, um, you know, I've never thought about something. I mean, I have thought about running out of space in the cemeteries here. Oh, yeah. That's really, that's super fascinating. That's such a cultural difference. Yeah, it's just just crazy. I mean, here they keep it standing and standing, right? Yeah, they. I mean, uh, I kind of wonder. You do cremation and things yeah. like that. Yeah, we don't do that in Italy. Yeah. yeah, because of the the Christian, you know. Yeah. They is 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 not like in the in the religion. Our religion is don't don't let you do that, right? But uh, you know, I told my wife, you know, when I die, just get my ashes, go back to my town, just dump it in the ocean. You know, that's mm -hmm. all. It's fine. You know, there's like you no. Know, Really, what are you gonna do here? You know, <laughs> I prefer like to dump my ashes in the ocean in my town. At least you have a reason to come back. You know, my daughter, everything, and things like that. But, uh, but you know, I mean, it's very interesting. You know, uh, your, your the story of your life. But you know, I don't want to you know uh, talk more about this emotion. I want to talk more about your uh, business aspect because. You know, it's very interesting what you're doing. You know, you help a lot. I mean, sometimes you have a meeting with hundreds of people, right? It's crazy, right? So you have like, yeah. you know, it's like a Zoom meeting. What is it? Yeah. So well, I, I, I do want to get there. I want to touch on just one thing that you said about. Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing I have thought and a lot about recently, what you just said is that our time on this planet is very, very short. And even if you're, 
there are very few people that leave a legacy that people talk about for a long, long time. I mean, very few. You can name them Jesus, Julius Caesar, yeah. right? It's it's a small list. We cannot reach uh, that level of <laughs> notoriety, probably. <laughs> I mean, then on the other side, you have like Genghis Khan yeah. and Hitler. So it doesn't seem to matter if someone's quote unquote good yeah, or bad. bad. They yeah. leave a legacy. Um, and I, I believe that when we when we really actually understand that, the fact that, oh, by the way, we're going to die. Like, yeah. it's it's not, it's there. Yeah. It really can help us make better decisions. We make less fear-based decisions. We start taking more risks, more smart risks. We, we can just live a lot better. So I almost wonder, you know, because of your entrepreneurial nature, the things you've done, like coming to the U.S. on a big, you know, just believing in yourself. I wonder if some of those early experiences for you, like carrying bones into a crypt is like, oh, yeah, this is like one day this is all people, you know, helped you take some of those big risks. Big risks. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I realized since a kid. So at the end of the day, we're fucking bones, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, food for worms. That's what we are. You know, we end up being like, you know, feeding worms. That's what we're doing, man, you know. <laughs> and whatever you want to put this during your life, you know, feel like some level of superiority, you know, because you're less than me, because you have less money or because skin color, things like that. At the end of the day, you're going to go under the ground and worms going to eat your fucking skin. That's what's going to happen. So that's why, you know, I never put myself, you know, you know me, I never did like, I mean, I'd like to help people. I like, I mean, there's a lot of people reach out to me, you know, because what I'm doing and then trying to, you know, help them mentoring or whatever, right? You know, different level. I do for free. I don't care, you know, because I've been blessed enough, you know, I want to see other people succeed and get good in life, right? You know, and going back in that, there's one, uh, one actor that, uh, uh, it was an old art, a comedian in Italy, and he wrote like a novel. If I find it, if I find it in English, it's like a poem, you know, and <clears throat> it's called like La Livella, the level, you know, the level that the 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 the, the mason used to level things, you know, when they mm -hmm. build, right? You know, there's the the little bowl, and you know, you you, I, I used one you use it for your shelf that workshop. fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so. Uh, uh, so the, the the story is that this guy die, you know, is like a, just a humble dude, like you know, uh, no money, like fixing things for other people, you know. And it happened that they put his grave next to the grave of a wealthy person. And like in Italy, you know, they also when they die, this is the most stupid things. They 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 get to show how wealthy you are. Uh, according how big is your chapel, right? You know, if you're a little hole in the things, I mean, and, you know, this no money, you know, they'll say, oh, look at this monument, you know. And um, and so they put him there, you know, you know, like, you know, it's legend at nighttime, you know, the dead come to life, right? You know, everybody come to life. And then the, the wealthy guy wake up and look at him, I dare you to come here next to me. You know, I'm wealthy, you know, you don't know who I am. You know, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. You know the money, and you just you know I dare you. What they put? They'll go away. Don't I don't you don't deserve to get you know uh, uh, to 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 rest next to me for the rest of your you know eternity, whatever it is. At the guy at the end, they say, Hey, look, man. You know, I mean, look around. 
Look where we are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> At the end, we are a level. We are all the same level. Doesn't mm. matter what you accomplish in life. When you die, you die, you know? And that's, we are all the same level. So there was a, like a, a long poem, like kind of, you know, and things. And, and then talking about that, I remember that once with my dad, my brother, we used to all call the same, you know, <clears throat> uh, the cemetery, you know, building this big chapel. There was this dude uh, that he was very wealthy in town. He made us build a pyramid. Man, this dude won a fucking pyramid. It's still there. If you ever <laughs> gonna come to my, my town in Italy, I, I hope you will do that one day. Uh, I will bring you to the cemetery to see this fucking pyramid. It's like, you know, a miniature pyramid, obviously, you know, <laughs> like probably, I don't know, I don't know, 50 feet, 60 feet high, wow. you know? And, uh, you know, my dad, he, I mean, he, he is amazing on building shit, you know? I mean, the I mean, it, it's not simple to build a pyramid. It looks like a simple concept, but, you know, the way all the angle have to finish in one point at the end is not simple. There's like things that you can mistake, you know, one millimeters on 10 feet and then you fuck up everything. So he had built this fucking pyramid. It's still there. The guy wanted, he, I mean, I think he's dead now. He's in the fucking pyramid. So they make you believe, you know, he, he put himself on a level of superiority even when he, he is dead, right? To compare other people around him. Like, you know, see the ego. He's going to drag his ego to the grave, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, what, and what's the name of your city again? It's Vieste is a small town in Vieste. South Italy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is one of those things I I often wonder I'm reading this book about Rockefeller called Titan. Mm -hmm. And even though the guy was I mean, his legacy is massive worldwide. I mean, obviously in the US, yeah. but he some of the things he does are very counter to what you might expect from someone with that money. Like uh, going through this chapter this morning and he they're talking about a negotiation he was really good at negotiating by the way his meetings sometimes he would do five million dollar deals which back then is i mean it's a lot of money today oh, but yeah. it's still a lot of money back then yeah. in five minutes he would have the, he was famous for these five minute 10 minute 15 minute negotiations that would get these really big um deals done but he was dealing with a guy and he, he was very pointed from everything i can tell like very direct but he was also very humble in a sense of his worth in life. Like mm -hmm. he had this very, you know, humble mindset and he was negotiating with this guy and this guy was just very like braggadocious and big. And he just simply said, he said, you know, how can anybody think that highly of themselves? <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, you know, this is Rockefeller. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, wow. And he, he just really kept, he, he was big in faith and God. And I think that helped him, uh, from what I'm gathering, kind of remind himself that he's one person on a big planet, even though he has this massive fortune and this incredible influence. Um, it helped him keep perspective in life. And so I think it's, by the way, I personally think it might be kind of fun to like live in a pyramid uh, afterwards. <laughs> like I wouldn't mind me like, like, hey, like that's good. Yeah. I do it from, I think it'd be more kind of funny than anything. Like, yes, give me my pyramid because I am the king of whatever, but it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> you go from human Derek to Tutan Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Tutan, come on, Derek. I like it. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, um, so how, how you start doing, I mean, obviously the 
just like from 12 start doing like this type of business right how you what happened like from 12 till you know let's say you decided to go on sale and this because I, I know you told me like you kind of used to work for like you know a uh, um, company and build like four million dollars like you know revenue and things like that so what happened like you know after 12 when you you were on the street and say okay what i'm doing now what, what i gotta do because you can can go bad you say oh you know what i know this bunch of people that sell drugs there's easy things i know how to do that you know i can perfect that or just like you know fix my shit right <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point uh <laughs> i and i you know, hearing you talk about your your parents and everything, I, I realize, you know, for me, my version of my mom ended up being my grandma. Mm -hmm. So after a while, you know, I was living with friends and there's a there's an old Chris Farley skit on Saturday Night Live where he's like, I'm living in a dam, like a, a van by the river. <laughs> and I legitimately, like even with some people I was, I was hanging around, like I stayed in a van by the river for a while. So I was kind of <laughs> wandering and you know, have people's parents, like I'd stay the night here for a few nights and figure this out. I was, even before that, um, just the way my mom's travels had gone, I'd already had experience living in, you know, homeless shelters, mm -hmm. things like that. So it wasn't uh, living in hotels for a night. So it wasn't anything, you know, foreign to me. And I, that is one of those things where I think when you're that young, at least for me, it just seemed like it seemed normal, like this was my life. So I never thought about it from a, oh my gosh, you know, this is so terrible or awful. It's like, this is just kind of life. Like you just So you, you had a very good, like say mindset, personality. I mean, your approach to what happened, it didn't influence, like you say, oh fuck, the world is against me. That's what people do all the time. Say, oh man, poor me. Oh, you know, you want to be mean to people or, you know, just like, you know, your mindset was always positive, right? I, I think where that came from, uh, is that I figured out because my mom was like very aggressive, like very violent, very mm -hmm. just like, uh, you know, out there. I realized that the more kind of calm I could stay, the more that could balance out everything around. Man, me. you fucking calm. I mean, I never <laughs> seen, I never <laughs> seen a person so calm, you know, it's very, huh. I don't, I don't know if it's possible to piss you off. I mean, I don't, I want to try, you know, I want to try one day, you know, just fuck up with you and piss you off. Probably you're the calmest person ever. You always like, you know, find the right world, the right moment and, uh, you know, everything. It's just, uh, I mean, it's, this is something I admire because I'm more instinctive. I've been, I say, look, go fuck you, you know, <laughs> like straight in the eyes <laughs> and you like kind of mediator, you know, oh. like. Well, I, um, I mean, thanks. That's a very <laughs> nice compliment. I know that, uh, like one of my friends, this guy, Brian, I've known for probably, I think when I was 19. So, you know, 14 years, 15 mm -hmm. years, he describes me, especially like we've had some very intense moments where mm -hmm. when I was that age, you know, mm -hmm. I'd go to the bar or whatever and would get in, in trouble sometimes getting fights. And he always described it as like a, ch he said, chill intensity. Mm. He's like, it's chill, it's tense, but it, it can bubble up. And, um, but going back to the, where I think the calm thing came from mm -hmm. is I really figured out, you know, thanks to my mom, mm -hmm. the more calm I can stay, the more that kind of makes everything around me, yeah. you know, better. Like if I can help my sisters kind of manage their emotions and be calm for them, because I have two, young, two younger sisters, uh, the more whenever my mom would be freaking out or, you know, whatever was going on or the, you know, we're traveling on a Greyhound somewhere and something goes wrong. It just, I realized that that had an impact on everybody versus if I were to just freak out or cry or whatever, that just made everything worse, right? So why would I do that? Yeah. 
and I just I really work to carry that um, to carry that with me. So from twelve to like twelve to thirteen, that's where the kind of nomadic life was, just kind of bouncing around places, and then did get in touch with my grandma, which was pretty cool. I think my grandma finally noticed or whatever mom, uh, uh, you know, maybe told her like, haven't seen Derek for a while. And mm-hmm. so, uh, talked to her on the phone and she lived in Northern California and she got me a plane ticket and said, come, you know, come stay with me for a little bit. We'll figure this out. You know, and it was around summertime. So it was like, come like, mm. you know, maybe midsummer or whatever. And I went down there you know, she's like, so she didn't really ask a lot of questions, which was interesting. She's like, yeah, whatever, you know, heard you guys aren't getting along. And uh, so I stayed with her and I finally just told her, I'm like, here's what life is like with mom. And it was, I think it was hard for her to believe, you know, because my mom was really, really good at kind of weaving these stories. And mm. it's not that it would have been hard to figure out. I just think the depth of how, how, you know, what it was, was a little bit alarming. And so... Uh, my grandma at that point said, well, hey, are you going to be comfortable sharing this with people? Because I'd like you to live with me mm-hmm. and we're going to have to, you know, file paperwork and do all the other mm. things. So we went through that process. Uh, grandma got custody, custody mm. of me. So I lived with her from, I think, right before about like 13, age 14. I had missed some school too. So this is kind of the the funny thing. I mean, I around... I love, this is one of those events where some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, you miss school. Like it hurts your intelligence or those things. And for a while it was, it was something hard for me to deal with because I was terrible at algebra in high school when I finally Mm -hmm. started going to school because I missed, you know, most of sixth grade, Mm -hmm. probably all of seventh grade and a large, large portion of eighth grade, which are sort of, you know, important years of education in the U S for learning things like algebra and, and math and, um, but I look back now and for me, that story means now is I, I didn't really get programmed to think a certain way. So it really helped me be an outside the box sort of solution oriented person because I didn't, you know, I wasn't stuck in this classroom mm-hmm. all this time. Um, so grandma takes me in, uh, around that time I lived with her until I was like, you know, I, I, uh, uh, graduated high school at 17 because I was based on like when my birthday was and not having, you know, those years of school. And, and some people were like, well, how'd the school accept you? That's also kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. My grandma lived in a place that wasn't, wasn't really a super nice area. So we go into the, how are we doing time? Okay. Uh, uh, so we go into this middle school in like the ghetto, like the hood in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of eighth grade year. And I know we have the paperwork, so grandma can take care of me now. But they're like, what about his immunizations and school history and there just wasn't like there was anything and they I don't know you know and now that I understand like how educational systems work and you get paid when you Mm -hmm. have people in there I think they just wanted someone like yeah come to the school and like you know we get extra so it was this kind of let me in and so I with the gap in school I got to go to that middle school for a few months at the end of eighth grade with which allowed me to go to um, high school there Mm -hmm. too Is is your grandma still alive? She is. Uh, yeah, that's uh, part of, the, you know, I think you and I have talked about, like mm-hmm. I uh, went and lived in Brazil mm-hmm. and uh, was in Miami for a little bit. And that's what actually brought me back to California mm-hmm. was I was talking to her one day, my grandpa, and she just was having uh, like heart problems mm-hmm. was in the hospital. And I feel like it was my, there was like a debt 
you know, since she had taken me in, I really felt compelled, like I owe her this Mm -hmm. to go and be close to her. So I uh, went and uh, moved near to her Mm -hmm. so I could be there to help take care of her, drive her to her doctor's appointments. I Mm -hmm. used to go over there like morning, noon, and night, like go Mm -hmm. make her breakfast, take her on a little walk. I'd go do some business, come back and make her lunch, take her to doctor's appointments. So I kind of built... Um, I really did just build this business around mm. that. And that's what got me into this, which was cool. Like making that commitment to go be there and be close to her was a really, was one of those things that allowed me to learn how to be very productive in mm. small periods of time, building a business while being the full time. I kind of relate to that because, uh, um, you know, when uh, <clears throat> I moved the, I mean, probably <clears throat> I told the last podcast, you know, I moved here because my daughter health problem. Uh, she had open heart surgery when she was three, but, you know, <clears throat> since the day she was born, always taking care of her and things like that. And I was like working on my project and things. So, you know, sometimes people un- don't understand how you have to be effective in a short amount of time, you know, like you know, 10 minutes is 10 minutes can be productive if you don't just like you sit on the couch, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the way I build my business in between um, hospital visit, you know, being in the lobby of the hospital, trying to figure shit out and working, you know, and uh, changing diapers in between changing diapers all night, you know, when I was awake, you know, taking care of her, you know, was also building in my staff, you know. And, you know, sometimes people just like to cry themselves and don't understand that, you know, is the way you fill up the space in between, you know, uh, things that happen in your life that is important, right? You know, so it's kind of related to that, to, to that thing. It's, it's interesting how, you know, the experience you can have with your grandparents in some way, is different than obviously you know you didn't have that love from your mom and dad but uh, you know is a different type of love is it some kind of forgiven on everything you're doing when your mom maybe gonna school you on or spank you I mean, back in the day now they don't spank unfortunately anymore <laughs> but uh, it's different way you know she accept you no matter what she didn't ask question you know she just want you around that's something that I wished I spend more time, you know, with my grandparents. I mean, my my grandfather was like, you know, kind of mentor to me because his life, because his things, the story he used to tell me about the war, about the suffer, about you know, uh, being Germany, the, all these kind of th- things. And my my grandma always be there waiting for him. I mean, my dad moved here to U.S. and he worked here, but he couldn't stay here because uh, he's a uh, attachment to the family was too strong. So he moved back to my town, you know, again, and all his brother and sister stayed in Boston. He was the only one that moved back to Italy. And uh, she was there. She, I mean, back in the day, how easy it was to build like, you know, a twin family to another side of the world. I mean, we know a lot of story like that, you know, they're leaving, you know, their own country and then move to US or whatever and build another family and completely forget about the family they had back in Europe or whatever, right? And uh, that that's most of the things happen. I mean, you told me about something like that, about your, was like your your uncle? Well, you get the last names. Oh, no. Or something about your last name. Am I getting well, in trouble for that story? That. Come on, you got to tell me <laughs> that. About your uh, last name. There was something about your last oh, name. Oh, the there last was, name, yeah. Yeah, Lacroon. Yeah, it's like they made up last name, something yeah. like that. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I probably shouldn't put the uncle on blast here, but uh, the, well, you listen on, to podcast. I don't, oh, I don't, I don't want to put his dirty laundry out there, but maybe we can touch on that a little bit. Um, <laughs> sometimes you get surprised in life. Come on, he don't listen to shit. <laughs> <laughs> I could already see that. That would be the one clip that goes viral. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think it's interesting, man. If you got to put your you know dirty laundry out there, just do it. Come on. <laughs> hey, the truth will set you free. Yeah. But, on the, the last name thing, and this this does go back, and I think I even I probably shared this with you, is that it's one of the challenging things is mm-hmm. it, this is the story that I know, how true it is, is a whole different thing in order for me to figure it out mm-hmm. and research it. And maybe I even get some advice from you on how to research some of these mm-hmm. things. Uh, but the last name doesn't really have a history. So Lacrone, if you look at it, even using Ancestry and things, there's very few people. There, there are more people now mm-hmm. with the last name. I mean, obviously, that's how most last names work is they multiply. It sounds French. What is it? Yeah, so it's uh, my understanding it, it's Canadian. It's French-Canadian, okay. but it's a, a made-up last name. So you really don't go, you can't trace the history of it very okay. far. And uh, I am Italian in, in uh, uh, you know, a small portion. Mm-hmm. So my one of my great grandma, who I do remember spending, you know, again, this is some of those very, very young memories, uh, some time at her house. So my great grandma, who is uh, the mother of my mom's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we called her Nona. Mm-hmm. Nona. Nona, yeah. And uh, uh, she came to the u.s you know around the prohibition era and was bootlegging oh. like making liquor liquor illegally oh. during the prohibition and everybody kind of loved her and you know running this operation out of her house and giving operation away, yeah <laughs> like um, it. yeah fake liquor or not fake liquor uh, illegal liquor mm-hmm. and someone ratted her out uh, you know i was told it was like the mailman well, or whatever so someone okay told on nona yeah oh. So she obviously made somebody mad or whatever. So I guess she got kicked out of the country was my understanding. Oh. And they just went north um, to Canada. Mm-hmm. And either she got married or she married someone new. Mm-hmm. Something happened where they, you know, basically created this name and then came back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. with the new name. Do you know the last name of your nonna? Uh, I, w- I believe uh, Antignoli. Antignoli. Antignoli was the name that I was given, mm. yeah. Yeah, interesting. We could be, do some that would be interesting, that. you know, material for research, you know, see more like your your grandma side and things like that. But you, you, do you have been in Italy or get in touch with someone related to your grandma? I've been to Italy twice, um, but no, not ever. Mm. So again. you don't know anyone there that is related? I mean, we are like fourth cousin, something like that, third cousin, something like that you're going to have there? Nothing, nothing. Interesting, you know. I'm sure that from a little town, you know, everybody know, you know, everybody in little towns, you know. But uh, so yeah, this, uh, so go go go, keep going with the with the last name. So oh yeah, and that's um, I mean, even though I've, I've like you know researched the word in the last name. It's kind of a funny word. I mean, look, crone. Crone means like the the wise woman of the village or old oh, oh, like, okay old wise person. So um, I don't. Know, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. But that's. That's really the the story of the last name is it's why it doesn't have a long history. It was just made up so they could, you know, cheat their way into the country like like most of us. Changing <laughs> name, moving around and things like that. Yeah. yeah. That, that that's interesting, you know. But uh yeah, I mean that this is cool. Like, you know, I really appreciate you sharing all this uh this stuff about you, you know. Uh and then uh, you know, I hope uh, you know 
from now on they're gonna have maybe different you know understanding <laughs> you know where you come from and you know because uh the, the thing i like about your podcast is the way you interview the people the way you kind of you know slowly pulling out information you know is it, very interesting you know so which one would be your next guest uh, good question. I'd have to look at the calendar. Now we've got a few really, really cool ones coming up. Some people, I mean, you've done a great job of introducing some, some, uh, yeah, man, I just, bystander. I <laughs> just for, yeah. stop them on the road. No, but I mean, Bob, <laughs> I think Bob will be a very interesting, uh, guest. He worked in intelligence and, you know, uh, he does a lot of crazy stuff. He did a lot of crazy stuff. Now he's retiring. So that will be something that will keep you hooked and listening in story, you know, so, and, you know, I was joking with him the other day when he came to the house because he, he know a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that he cannot say, you know, publicly because, you know, uh, obviously you have like, you know, a responsibility, you know, to people and things like that. But uh, I was was joking with him the other day when I, I said, okay, we make him drunk and you got to tell me you will kill Kennedy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, I mean, seriously, probably he knows, <laughs> you know? Because he knows a lot of stuff. But uh, that will be interesting and see what kind of information he can put out there, you know, about his life and everything, you know? That, that will be cool. I mean, I think, you know, we kind of, you know, time to wrap it up, everything, you know? It's <laughs> like it was, was good, like, be here and, you know, be put you the other side, you know, this time I interview you. So that was pretty awesome. Thank you for sharing everything. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's always a pleasure. I love, I mean, I got to learn more about you too. And that's, <laughs> that's really for me, what is so much fun about this is that, you know, every person's on a journey or a quest and each day we really get to make those choices, you know, what the next chapter, what the next page, what this day is going to look like. And I find people fascinating, you know, the things you've done, why you've done them. I mean, you're just a really, I heard Bob call you a good spirit (laughs) for business, you're a good spirit. And that is um, very true. So uh, thank you. Oh, thank you, man. See you next time for Human Derek. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll put that episode sponsored by (laughs) Hydrocore. Yeah. That's good, man. Good stuff. Thank you.